On this episode of the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience, John Maddox sits down with returning guest and Fund Loan's very own VP of Credit Risk, Jerry Tubbs. The two speak about hypnosis, how long it actually takes to form a habit, why phobias may be habits, and much, much more. Now, before you get to today's episode, I want to remind you all that we have a YouTube channel with a bunch of great content just like this. Also, if you happen to have a guest in mind or a subject that you'd like to hear more about, email us at marketing at fundloans.com. On to the show. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. All right, welcome to the podcast. You might recognize this next guest because his voice is in our intro. Uh, Jerry Tubbs is our VP Director of Credit here and Underwriting Manager at Fund Loans. And normally we talk about uh, underwriting and things like that, but I think we're going to talk about some other cool stuff today. So welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you. Welcome back. Excited to be here. This is great. You, you know, every time we have a conversation, it always is is fun. So I'm looking forward to today. So uh, before I forget, please like, share, subscribe, and let us know if you have any ideas for other guests, because we are uh, loving doing this for you guys. Um, so today... Let's talk about a little bit about, we're going to talk about the mind. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about habits, some other good things that we can do. A little bit about underwriting, I'm sure we'll title in. But um, let's talk about hypnosis. This is something that, you know, I've, I've learned a little bit about the brain, just enough to be dangerous about, you know, your programming and uh, kind of how your subconscious is your big, fast part of your brain. And then mm -hmm. your, your, um, your, your. Is it your sub? Yeah, your subconscious is your is your fast part of your brain. Like kind of when you're riding a bicycle, you're not thinking about you know you're pedaling, you're just yeah. riding. You're maybe thinking about the concert you're going to later or whatever. No, you're 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 spot on. And then your conscious part of your brain, or your, I guess it'd be your frontal mm -hmm. or your your creative side, or yeah. your you know that that's your slower part of your brain. The part that doesn't isn't the like you know reflexes and. And I think a lot of things that, you know, from what I've heard is a lot of things that we do in our life, habits and things like that, we've learned from a young age by watching, like even like a child when they're, when they're, you know, small, they, they kind of watch their parents, they watch their, they look, they learn a lot from their surroundings, right? So you get kind of programmed in some sort of way to do certain things. And yeah. sometimes we say like, oh, why the hell did I do that? And it's because, you know, you just kind of learned it, you know, and yeah. From, from your from your quote unquote programming right yeah um hypnosis uh i wonder kind of what i think about hypnosis and you tell me what you know where i'm at on the kind of the the, the dartboard of hypnosis <laughs> is that you can kind of take yourself out of some of that subconscious habits and learn new things you can you can kind of create a a uh, a way to kind of speed up learning habits. Is that even anywhere near the, the it, target? It is. You've touched on a lot of things that people have questions about. And the first thing you touched on was um, really gets down to why are some things reflexive and why are, do you have to think through some things? Very mm -hmm. logical. And the truth is, until you know things, you have to go step by step through everything. Mm. Um, you develop routines. And routines is a big thing of what we're going to talk about later when we talk about habits and whether how to form a habit or how to break a habit. Mm -hmm. Routine is one of three elements that are absolutely critical to creating a habit. Mm -hmm. 
but you're right. The way we learn is you've got this uh, fresh new brain that has no map in it. <laughs> and every time you repeat steps through a process, um, it starts to carve a little canyon, a little neural network in your brain that is the preferred pathway for um, that routine. <laughs> and um, strangely enough, even though routines, computer routines were modeled after human thought processes, it almost makes it easier to not think about your own thought process and think about a computer. Every time you start up a computer, it goes through a whole bunch of routines. If the power is absolutely off, one of the routines it goes through is, hey, I got to restore the mouse's ability to control the cursor. That's mm -hmm. a routine. Mm -hmm. I've got to restore the keyboard's ability to type letters. I've got right. to restore a program that will lead you to all the other programs, you know, your operating system. Right. And so it runs all these subroutines and uh, people actually run the same way. Um, the base of what you're talking about is um, the autonomic part of your body. And if you think about, uh, it's hard to think about it because it seems abstract, but if you think about all the processes that your body is taking care of for you without you having to think about it. Yeah. Like breathing, breathing, <laughs> heartbeat, Blanking. circulation, posture, just mm -hmm. what, all the muscles that have to be activated to keep you upright in that chair. Right. If you had to sit there and think about, okay, just remember, breathe. <sighs> okay. Breathe again. If you, if your whole day was consumed, just making sure your heart beat properly and you had to breathe properly and your temperature was controlled, you didn't have to respirate or perspire. Uh, you would be so consumed with those tasks that you really couldn't think of anything higher level. Right. Um, your brain is built to carve neural paths to make all of that stuff kind of take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And then like you pointed on, there's other behaviors that it programs in so that you don't have to think about them. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the whole fight or flight mm -hmm. reaction of your body being ready to spring into action and duck or run or protect itself right. are all things that uh, are so built in at such a low, uh, at such an autonomic level and a reflexive right. level that when you need those skills, you don't even have to think about it because you may not have time to think about it. Instant. Yeah. So our subconscious is so fast, like yeah. light, like just fast. Right. And it, it, it and it almost, um, it creates the feeling like you're thinking about it, but you're really not. It's already taken action before you, yeah. oh, thank God I did that. Mm -hmm. You had nothing to do with it. Your brain did it before you even thought about right. whether that was a smart thing to do. So do you think um, that even goes into like eating habits and into like how you argue with people, how you react to people's, you know, crazy emails? If you look at that email, like, what? You know, like you just instantly want to fire back and like, yeah. it just goes into all these different things, right? Absolutely. In fact, um, uh, I'll, I'll uh, through the course of our conversation, I'll tell you a bunch of resources that will absolutely convince you that 80% of your working day is just the a habit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then every once in a while, something out of the box happens and, and then you got to savor that. So you because, have two brains almost, right? They yeah. say the left and the right, but is it really that? Or is it more like yeah. your frontal and in your program? It's more like stem and cortex. The, yeah. the, the stem is where those reflexive feelings and things that you don't mm -hmm. even know where they're coming from because uh, they've been wired through there for years. And, and like you said, almost from birth. Um, but yeah, there, there's a great book from the seventies called games. People play <laughs> It was written by a psychiatrist who was frustrated because half of a session of psychiatry would be eaten up by people in these 
crazy conversational games, he would call them, but little habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the most revealing things I read back in the 70s as I'm eight, dating myself. But these 30 or 40 conversational games, you come back into the workplace, you see that conversation every day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, this, is, this isn't even a real conversation. It's just a habit. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, well, I, I see that even with, like, like, my family, you know, and I don't want to say too much about my family here, but. You know, there's, there's habits that you, you hear and you're, yeah, like I could go into a few different ones, but it's like, oh, and like a lot of my family does it. Like I'm talking about like my parents, my sisters, and you're like, I'm like, how does that, how did that must've been programmed early on? Absolutely. Right. And and, and some of it um, has to do with everyone's psychological needs or their, their place in the pecking order. I'll give you one and then we can get off of the conversation one and get, get back to habits. Uh, but one of the games that were described in this great book was called Yes, But. And I'll guarantee you, you've seen it. And I'll give you an example. Um, someone will come in and say, you know, oh, I just can't seem to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And someone will offer the advice of, have you tried the, and you can insert whatever you want, sure. whatever diet. Intermittent fasting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the answer is always, yes, but, but it doesn't work for me because I'm Right. And then it's like, well, have you tried the South Beach diet? Yes, but have a DVD. And, right. and so, and you can play that game uh, as often as you offer an advice. They'll mm-hmm. find, yes, I'm aware of that. And no, that won't work for me because I'm special. Right. And the only so way to, yeah. And the only way to short circuit that uh, habit mm-hmm. is to come back with a more adult answer. Like uh, the one I like to use is, you know what? you're an intelligent person and eventually you'll find something that works for you. Cause That's then you good. can't say, well, yes, but. but I don't think I'll ever find something. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it ends the conversation. But uh, uh, the sad thing is after you uh, read this book, it'll pretty much ruin conversation for you because then you realize <laughs> when you're in a real conversation versus all the times you're not. So you're telling, telling, let me get this right. So you're telling me that a lot of conversation, I mean, I know for sure when you go to Starbucks and you say, how's your day? And they say, good, how's yours? And then you go, oh, order a latte, whatever. You, yeah. That's program, right? That's like, really, you're, you're not really using a lot of your frontal cortex. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost a habit. Your, your order is probably a habit. Right. How often do you not order the same thing you had the last five right. times? Right. You know, it's just easier. Uh, and the brain- so, so if you take that further, a lot of the conversations that people engage in, whether it's even... Yeah. Is it even long ones or is it, um, how was there a minute, minute? Well, you can sew a bunch of these habitual games together and have a 20 minute <laughs> conversation and realize we talked about weather, uh, your surgery and what are you doing this weekend and who's your favorite football team? So that's not, you're not using really any kind of creative juices there. You're just using your, your program. Yeah. What do you, what do you bring to the table that we don't already know? Wow. So, and um, you don't have to use any creative thinking so do you think, that, is it that some people have used that muscle, like, you know, like you'd see people who are, you know, ripped and strong, and then you see people smaller, people fat, people skinny. Like, do you think some people use that creative muscle that much more to where they're more, like, aware and cognizant of that, or they're, they're, they're just stronger in their, their creative ways? Or do you think that's something that's learned young, and that's why they have more of that creativity? What, what do you think that comes from? Um, I think there's a lot of social pressure. Um, to conform to a certain norm. And there's one of the norms is politeness. Right. 
you know, you, you get the weird thing you get as you come in the front door. I'm sure Nicole faces this all the time. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to seem rude if I don't acknowledge that she's sitting there. Sure. Uh, I like her. Uh, so I always say good morning. Yeah. I'm sure she hears good morning from 30 people and it's a habit. And, and it's not that we don't wish her a good morning. It's just, it feels awkward if I don't. Yeah, true. That's and I'm, and I'm sure she, be nice. yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure she has been, um, wished good morning, uh, you know, 10,000 times since she's worked here. She's probably good. Yeah, she probably could fine. go a whole nother lifetime. I'm don't not need to ask her anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, but it, there's certain things that are, um, they're, they're custom. Yeah. yeah and and habit so anyway is there is there an easy hack that you can like let me give you an example like one someone told me one time to ask my kids instead of hey how was your day ask them what made you laugh today yeah and oh, that just like triggers a whole different thought process yeah. in their brain and then so is there something that you could ask someone instead of how's your day or good morning because there's something you can that's like a little hack that, that that's a great start um, anything where they can't answer it with a single word question uh, there's a yeah. the whole school of thought of interviewing people, whether it's for jobs or placements or whatever, uh, called behavioral interviewing. And that's the whole uh, gist of it is uh, an example would be, uh, t tell me a story from your experience that demonstrates uh, your great customer service. Mm. They actually have to tell you yeah. to think you, about what they remember about something. And, and then one of the things you have to catch people at is uh, some people won't have a story at the ready which is kind of telling. Mm -hmm. uh, so they'll go into, all right, the, well, if I was in a customer service situation, here's what, what would I would do. do. Yeah. Like, no, 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 that's not what I, I, I know just, what you did. Yeah, yeah. Over the 40 years of your life experience, tell me one time that you helped a customer out. Yeah. And if they come up blank, it's like, you might not be right for the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you were speaking earlier about spot Starbucks. Um, not only do they have certain routines about the ordering, but one of the things they discovered uh, over, you know, opening thousands and thousands of locations is how do you get really highly trained customer service people? Because, you know, that's all that service is. Sure. Is, uh, how do you justify spending that much for a coffee uh -huh. if you go in and have a lousy customer experience? Right. So the most important thing is trying to find thousands of people, tens of thousands of people with good customer service skills. And, and they don't know those skills don't always come naturally to people. Mm -hmm. So what Starbucks did is they developed a system they call uh, latte <laughs> and it's an acronym for uh, when a customer has a great problem. Cause you're going to have, you know, just odds are if you send, sell a hundred thousand cups of coffee a day, sure. Some of those some are going to be hot enough. Some are gonna be too hot. Yeah. Some are going to be right. So yeah. uh, each letter in latte represents a step that one of their employees should go through to resolve that. Uh, listen. And they tried, yeah, uh, 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 <laughs> listen. Um, they uh, accept. Uh, they will acknowledge the, uh, acknowledge the, uh, what the issue is. Okay. Because you can, uh, if you don't understand what the customer's real beef is, you start fixing something that isn't broken and they're right. still not satisfied. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have to be able to take action. So, okay, now that I, and, and I do this a lot when people are, um, frustrated about something, I'll like take they the didn't time. Get approval. Oh yeah, it happens <laughs> all the time. Uh, and but there'll be a, one specific beef. Like I don't think you considered this or this, and I and I'll repeat it back to them just to make sure. Now if I hear if I hear you right, you're saying I didn't do or or I we we failed to consider this. Yes, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. 
and and that's a it's a huge breakthrough because they feel like a oh, one other person in the world understands they understand them yeah now what are you going to do about it and so that, then take you're at action the, take action uh and then uh, uh and then when you're finishing that off uh then you're trying to uh, thank them you know w- once you've resolved this problem hey you know thanks for walking through this process so the whole latte process was um to train their customer service people when you run into that uh, inflection point where things are going badly mm-hmm. take these steps and, mm-hmm. and unwind it and they get us have back to memorize there. that and just they do tons <clears throat> of role playing um and they'll they'll talk about other inflection points like what should the action step be depending on what the complaint is mm-hmm. and pretty soon they have this whole arsenal and weaponry of stuff so that even when that grumpy person comes in I don't even have to think about it. It becomes a reflex of how to handle a customer that goes off the rails Mm -hmm. and you don't need help handling the good customers. Right. So once you have the bad customers mastered, uh, services can be pretty good. That's cool. So how'd you get into this? Like what, are you fascinated with the mind? Like what kind of got you interested in, in stuff about the mind? Uh, for me, it was, uh, being a little different myself. I, Mm um, it started early on when I, got to grade school or even kindergarten. Um, I already knew how to read. Mm-hmm. I that was early. How, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, uh, it turned out I had, I was, uh, you know, uh, born with a very high IQ, very big capabilities, but I didn't realize the differences, you know, when you're growing up in your house. Yeah. Uh, I could, I could read all the stuff I wanted. I was reading newspapers and magazines <laughs> before, uh, literally before I got out of diapers. But, um, I, it wasn't until I got to school where I was like, Oh, uh, not everyone knows how to read yet. In fact, most people here are kind of, they got the ABCs down, but, right. uh, writing stuff on paper is kind of a struggle. Right. And, uh, so, um, I started learning, uh, about, uh, my differences and, uh, and, and so the, my, fr- my, in first grade, they actually put me in standardized tests that I wasn't supposed to take till third grade, but they were kind of like, let's see. <laughs> what could go wrong? Give him yeah. a number two pencil, let him fill out some dots. Yeah. And it turned out that uh, in first grade, I had a reading level that was eighth grade, eight, uh, ninth in month. first grade. Yeah. <laughs> so um, wow. I, I always tell people. Um, was that I, first grade's what's, what's the age? Uh, for me, it six. was uh, six-ish, you know. Yeah, so um, my kids are 14, they're in eighth grade. So you, you have a six-year-old, that'd be, that'd be crazy. That's yeah, so everyone was uh, interested in what was going to happen to Dick and Jane. Yeah. And I was interested in what was going to happen with nuclear proliferation. You know, I'm <laughs> like reading the papers in 1964. So um, were, you, were your, do your parents have a high IQ or what, like, kind of um, where do you think you got it? Uh, no. Touched uh, by angel? Um, <laughs> no, nah, you know, just a, a mix of, of, of chemical and physical, you know, mix those genes together and that's yeah. what you got. We all have different strengths and that's, that's cool. So uh, anyway, when, uh, uh, so I started learning about IQ and uh, it fascinated me. It's like, you know, what is this difference? So anything about the mind and so anything I could read about the brain, whether it was uh, physiology, like, you know, how's the brain work? How's it built? You know, yeah. how does this thing even function? And then morphing off into um, uh, why does it think this way? You know, psychology and behavior and, and what makes things funny? Uh, what makes things sad? Uh, why is music or drama powerful? You know, what? How can someone read a word, uh, write words in a book, and make you tear up or or laugh? You know, yeah. so those kind of things. A body language fascinated me. So, yeah. uh, well, so as, I, your... as I sit here with my arms crossed, 
Yeah. So, I so, don't want you to hypnotize me, Jerry. Yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, I uh, there was just uh, I just every piece I read was more more and more fascinating. And right. one of the uh, one of the avenues I got into was um, you know learning how habits were constructed. So um, that's fascinating. Though when you say it's kind of like this, these carvings that go into your brain that, that and that's the neuron path. Yeah, I've heard it say. I've heard someone say it's kind of like a ski slope that, you know, has a path of skis. Yeah. Or, or a, a river going through a canyon that's right. cut, a, cut a groove. And, and, and it may not be the, the, the most quickest path, but it's the path of, re, of least resistance maybe, or. Uh, it what becomes that yeah. because it's the, the, the path that, uh, that's been built specifically for it. And then we were talking earlier about habits. Um, when you're starting out fresh and you, you're creating a new routine or a new habit, mm -hmm. um, there's there's three critical points. One is uh, the cue, something that oh, I should do that. Hmm. That leads to a routine, and mm -hmm. we kind of talked about routines. How, but I'm uh, I'll spend a minute talking about some example routines that that, that will relate to. And then there's usually a reward. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a habit uh, stick, uh, you got this consistent cue that oh, that means I should be doing this. That's the routine, and then there's got to be some reward to it. If there's no reward to it, it's like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. So a real simple reward. Uh, I always think of the routines, uh, the routines you have in the morning, you wake up and you're triggering a bunch of routines. For me, it's, I have a daily medication. So the first thing is let's get that out of the way. Yep. And I have to wait so many minutes before I can eat. So I kill time doing other things before that medication has had a time to do its thing. Uh, the next thing for me then is uh, I figured out that, once I do that, I can exercise. Mm -hmm. so I get an exercise bike and I'm multitasking while my legs are, you know, yeah. biking. So uh, that's my next routine. The next routine is when I get off the bike, I'm in, I'm into get ready for work mode. Mm -hmm. And that triggers a whole bunch of things. For me, it's the toothbrush routine because mm -hmm. I've already eaten. I've eaten breakfast and now I'm in the toothbrush routine. Mm -hmm. I'm in the shave routine. I'm in the shower routine. Mm -hmm. I'm in the comb my hair routine and get dressed routine. Right. And I tell you, um, the funniest thing about the autonomy of those routines, I could probably do it with my eyes closed. Right. I, you know, it's, I, I, I could mimic right now. You've done I it so the, many times, yeah. yeah. I open the medicine <clears throat> chest, the, you know, the, the shaving cream's right there, and they do this, the razor's right above it, and I don't even have to see that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, cause you've done it thousands of times. So you must times. be thinking about other things when you're doing that. Well, it allows you to, that, that's a great observation. As soon as your brain gets autonomy over those chunks of information. It's freed up for it. The, it's operating levels are much lower. It, mm -hmm. The elect, if, if you could put probes in your head and if I could study you. It's kind of like a, in the background operating system, just running. Yes. And in fact, the task mask, ma uh, the, the task manager on windows, mm -hmm. probably the best analogy. Yeah. You'd have spikes in there. I guarantee you if, if I take all of the, your morning routine, and if I put you on the road in a hotel, your morning routine probably takes twice as long <laughs> because, oh, the light switch isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Where is the light switch in this room? Yeah. And you have to go back to thinking things step by step. Light switch on, bath mat over, water uh, right or left. Yeah, which uh, one? Okay, it's not right. Let it me must feel be. It. Uh, it's hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're totally out of your routine. So it'll take you 30 minutes to get ready in a hotel because the surroundings are all new and you have to relearn how does my routine mm -hmm. work in this new environment. Mm -hmm. Every time I move somewhere in the country, I have to, 
I, it takes me half an hour to get ready for work. Eventually it gets down to 15 minutes yeah. because I know where the light switch is. I know where the yeah, razor you is. You get better and, at it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what your brain does is it, it uh, grooves these routines. The, the energy in your brain uh, is, is visibly smaller. If you could graph, which gives you more capacity for other things. Yeah. Or I is it in that. a different, different part of your brain then? Yeah, to where it, you it, don't even does does it matter? I mean, I, I guess it, I, I really I believe it does. Yeah. I um I have been at uh, jobs before, including this one, where I come in first thing in the morning because I've had a shower idea. Yeah, I the problem I had last night I solved when my body was just totally distracted doing other things like soaping myself up and washing myself off. That oh, that's the solution to that problem. Because you allow your brain to go to that place. Yeah, I'm just creativity and yeah, use. It's, How many people do you think do that? So some of the stuff that I've been studying about the brain, which fascinates me, is that often people don't go into creative mode. They go into what was I doing yesterday or worry about what's coming tomorrow. Like instead of going into that creative solving problems and mm -hmm. how can I better my life or better my job or better my myself? They're thinking, oh man, that person said that one thing yesterday, and I'm just—they're worried about that, or like yeah, that's oh, an interesting it, observation. Yeah, you could get caught up in that. And so there's there's a there's a select number. I don't know what percentage, but I think it's a high percentage of the population that doesn't use that creative part. They they yeah. take that energy and they put it into the present or the, or the not the present, the past or the future. Yeah. And no, so then they're they're missing a lot. They're like they're missing out on. Things that they could do, like create, how do I create new habits or how do I better myself or yeah. you know, things like and that. And I'm going to sound very intellectually lazy, but uh, I don't even necessarily go into a, okay, uh, I'm going to set this time aside for myself to do creative thinking. Right. Just, but just, you have a habit now probably I, that I, goes into that, that because you've probably done it so many times, right? It, it just, uh, it happens. Um, there is, and, and the only thing I can uh, equate it to would be. If you do a file search, again, I'm going back to computers. I guess I think I'm, we're partly, uh, you know, I, our brains are somewhat like a computer, right? Uh, yeah. At least um, they're modeled after us. Uh, yeah. Uh, and when you do a file search and Windows is spinning out looking for that file and mm -hmm. it hasn't gotten through all your files that is just spinning, mm -hmm. that's how my, uh, my brain feels like when you pose a problem to me. Hey, Jerry, we need a solution to this. And if I don't have an immediate solution... Uh, it's just running in the background and I'm trying to do other work and I kind of do other work pretty good, but not as good as if this wasn't spinning mm -hmm. in the background. Mm -hmm. and, it, and at some point that'll engage. Uh, and then, and it could be the next morning when I'm not thinking about anything yeah. or it could be driving on the way home and like, <laughs> or the wake up in the middle of the night. Cause yeah. it solved itself. It finally stopped spinning lands on that file that solves that issue. Uh, I've had other people, uh, I can see it visibly when they're trying to recall someone's name that they definitely know. Yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, it starts with an S. Yeah. Steven. Yeah, and then it'll pop out midway through a party. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know. So um, your, your brain definitely has these capabilities of of being processing in the background, right. uh, doing things reflexively, this whole concept of chunking. So uh, when you're talking about uh, building a new habit, something that's new to you and, and creating that neural groove. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's cue routine and reward. Uh, uh, for me, a great example was, um, uh, I had, I had realized there was a quite a bit of time since I had really sat down or read a book cover to cover. 
I read tons of articles and, and it's so easy on the internet to just read sure. little, little articles all day. I feel like, nuggets. Oh, I read something, yeah. but you know, to take someone's entire book. And so, uh, someone had uh, gifted me a, a book that I would have been interested in. And I'm like, Oh, when am I going to find time to read this? And I realized, um, it's a 300 page book. Um, I'd like to finish it this month. There's 30 days in the month. If I do 10 pages a day, I'll have read this book mm-hmm. and I'll feel good about reading that book. <laughs> and, but I didn't have a cue. And so what I did was I plopped it down on the kitchen table and my cue was, I know every day I'm going to breakfast. It doesn't look like I've met, missed too many breakfasts. Right. So I, I sit at the breakfast table and boom, there's the book. And that was my cue of, Oh, that's right. I'm going to read 10 pages. 10 pages. Yeah. And then pretty what was your soon, reward. Uh, I had a couple rewards and, and they differ for everybody. Um, for me, one of the rewards in a, in a silly way was seeing the bookmark make progress through the book mm. every day. I'd show up and, Oh, that bookmark is I'm, I'm a third Further of the out. way through already. Yeah. And, yeah I'm, and I'm on track. I'm 10 days. Uh, and then, so I, I kept plowing through the book and the book was interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. There were some days where it's like, let's see, uh, John won't be until nine fifteen. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> let me write, you know, I'll go 15 <laughs> pages today, you know? And, uh, and, and, and sure enough, by the end of the month, uh, just those little micro, uh, daily micro goals. And I get in a habit where as soon as that book was done, it's like, I got to find another book. Yeah. Uh, Cause so you, you're, yeah. Cause then your habits set. And then you're like, what do I do now? And then one of the rewards, I think, for reading in particular is uh, all of a sudden you've read something, uh, you've you've increased your knowledge, and you have some social currency. So the next conversation you have, hey, have you read the new, you know, whatever whatever it is. And there's a lot of interesting things you can share with people. And that's rewarding. It is. It is. And then if if it's something that's entertaining besides, then there's, you know, there's some joy in that as well. So there's there's a lot of different rewards. Uh, I, I... one of the things that's rewarding for me um, in a lot of cases is uh, competition. Mm-hmm. So uh, whatever task we're doing, if I have a habit and I have competitors, that's a whole different level. <laughs> it's satisfying to, to see my score on a, on a tally uh, and see it near the top as mm-hmm. opposed to near the bottom. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, I, I know that's one of my, one of the rewards. If you can build competition into my reward system, that's a habit I'm probably developing. That's cool. Uh, but anyway, that Do you think cute- it takes uh, 21 days or they've said it takes 21 days to make a habit. I, I would say this. I've heard uh, the best research I've read implied that it's a little bit longer, that uh, a typical habit, especially one that doesn't have a big reward system, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where the reward might be improved self-esteem or something that's a little sure. longer fuse. Uh, 66 days is the number I see coming out of studies. Mm-hmm. But I, I always caveat that answer with this it depends on the habit you're forming and we talked about three pieces in habits already cue routine and reward mm-hmm. uh, and remind me to tell you about phobias because i want to tell you how that okay. process breaks the routine process can break but in the cue routine and reward cycle there's a fourth component that will hardwire a habit so hard that it'll make it shake. And if, if it's a good habit, great. If it's a bad habit, God help you. <laughs> but it's craving. Mm. And is that, <clears throat> is that like food, maybe uh, addiction, drugs, stuff like that? Or In theory, it could be anything. But the craving happens 
as a reinforcement to the reward. So if, if the reward is, is so pleasurable, um, and, and, and it doesn't have to be pleasure as in, you know, physical pleasure, I think, but uh, one of the dangerous ones we could talk about would be um, chemical dependency. Mm-hmm. So you were asking earlier, the, the reason I'm prompted down this pathway, you were asking about how long does it take to form a habit? Mm-hmm. If you're a, if you have an addictive personality and you take a lot of pleasure from the feeling that a drug would give you, mm-hmm. I'm told, I, I hear a lot quick. of people, yeah. yeah, if someone's trying heroin. One time, two times, yeah. Yeah, then it's like, and and the, the component that we hadn't talked about before, this craving where that reward was so good, I can't wait until I have it again. So I start to desire that. Mm. And then as soon as a cue permits me to do it, I'll go right back into that routine and get that reward again. Mm. And I, and that cycle can become so fast that, you, you know, you never have time to get straight again. You think your brain gets lazy when you get routines or do you like, can you just blow up your routine to, to kind of like re-stimulate your brain? Like, I mean, I'm just curious about that. Like, um, I, I, one of the things that works for me personally, I don't know if I'll, I'm sure other like people take have a tried total it. different route to work instead yeah, of having a latte, go get a tea and just, just totally fuck up your routine. Just yeah, to, in the, something just, out just of the box. <laughs> I used to do uh, not a daily type version of that, but um, throughout my life, I've tried to have out of the box experiences. So mm-hmm. uh, one summer I tried skydiving. Nice. Uh, that's on, that's on my 40th birthday. I drove a stock car at uh, the Charlotte motor speedway, mm-hmm. you know, behind a pace car. I've uh, been up in hot air balloons. Uh, nice. Did, uh, took a stand up comedy class, did that. So I did these things, uh, just because it was so different than anything I tried before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just to have that, this isn't my habit. This is different for me. Right. Uh, and you get a little taste of that and then it, it broadens your eyes. It's uh, travel does that for me, right. you know, or those kind of experiences. So I do think people can purposely bust out of their routine and, uh, uh, to the, you know, and it's healthy, I think to do that. But. Yeah. Because your grooves <clears throat> can get really deep, right. To where you're just they you're st- stuck in a routine and you, and where, the, where it could be good for certain efficiencies, but it could be bad. You wake up 20 years later and you're like, well, I haven't done anything different. And, and let me tie this in a little bit because I, I, I mentioned the phobias thing. Um, sometimes you can have a routine. Now, there's a lot of good routines that you should not mask or destroy. And I think one of the routines. Like brushing your teeth. Uh, yeah. In <laughs> fact, uh, I've got a good story about that, too. You're going you're gonna to shut me up today. Um, but. Uh, going back to uh, phobias in particular, mm-hmm. one of the theories out there on phobias is that you have mistakenly attached a valuable routine to the wrong cue. And the most extreme example I can tell you is um, a fear routine is a good thing for a human to have because yeah. there are certain things you should be afraid of. If you start right. hearing gunshots in the neighborhood, you should probably be afraid of not uh, to seek cover, right. protect yourself, mm-hmm. uh, live another day, uh, or uh, take out the shooter, whatever whatever personality type you've got. But th- that's a routine that you wouldn't want to destroy. You'd want to have that in your arsenal of being able to uh, fight or flee or you know whatever it took to survive. Right. Occasionally, you will find someone that'll attach that very valuable routine to a really stupid cue. And the the most extreme example I can tell you is I, I remember seeing a talk show in the eighties. I think it was Maury Povich, but don't quote me on that. Where they had these people with odd phobias, and one of the oddest ones there was a guy who's afraid of pickles. 
<laughs> and, and nobody believed him. But I think if you search in the internet, you'll find the, you know, the guy that was afraid I of pickles. Be- I believe it, yeah. And, and I don't think they believed him. So they taunted the poor man by having him out interviewing about this. And then sure enough, they bring out a jar of pickles. And this guy is screaming and running off stage. He is deathly afraid of pickles. Wow. So you have the, the cue is a jar of pickles. <laughs> and the routine is this fight or flight routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cue should have been harmless. The routine definitely don't want to get rid of that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the poor guy's afraid of uh, a, a, a pickled cucumber. Should he break that habit? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, does he of, have to go through hypnosis to do that? Or do you think uh, it, it's one method, but uh, there's a lot of methods to do it, but there's, there are therapists now that work specifically on phobias and specifically on habit reformation. Hmm. One of the theories in habits is that you will, because of that neural pathway that have that habit will never go away. Mm-hmm. Your best hope, best case scenario is that it'll be replaced with a new routine. Mm. And so the process is uh, understanding your cues. What is it that triggers you to go into that routine? Mm-hmm. Replace that routine with a routine that's healthier or more in sync with where you're at today. And then try to preserve as much of that reward, either the same reward, ideally, or a different reward so that you can rewrite or create another path where you got a fork in the road. Uh, alcoholics sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's a whole palette of different reasons why people would uh, struggle with alcohol, but a lot of them struggle with, uh, social issues. You know, they're, um, they're lonely, they're they're depressed, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. And, uh, so that that cue for them is the loneliness or the depression or the that feeling, and so often the routine that they'll resort to to feel better is the alcohol. Mm-hmm. If they can substitute that that routine, the alcohol routine, with um, I'll talk with my sponsor, I'll talk with someone who loves me, I'll get. I'm, I need affection. I'll find affection mm-hmm. rather than I'll find a drug or, or, or a Shot drink. Tequila. That, yeah. Uh, and if you, uh, and so if you can replace that routine and hook that up to that cube, knowing I don't, you know, I don't feel like I should be alone right now. Right. Right. And if you replace it with a different routine, there's a lot of hope for, for you to change that habit and create a different path for yourself. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people, probably have more habits than they realize. Right. And they just don't even think about how to overcome it or like, Oh, this is the way I am. I'm just, this is who I am. Uh, I think there's a lot of cultures and and belief systems where uh, people think their life is predestined, but if they looked at um, individual uh, habits of theirs, it's like, no, you you could fix that if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it, but it might take 60 days of just changing it up. Yeah. And you have to, you'd have to have enough time. And some of these uh, habit behaviorists are really good at helping you self-identify what your cues are mm-hmm. and then helping you figure out a routine and then, and then coming up with what's the reward going to be. Uh, one of the best rewards I heard, um, I had uh, someone at a, a prior uh, place that I worked had a very aggressive weight loss goal. And... Uh, the way they they kind of monetized it for themselves to where um, every time they lost a pound, uh, X amount of money, it was a fairly substantial amount of money. I was going to say $20 a pound, but 
they couldn't touch the the they couldn't touch the money until they reached the entire weight goal. Mm. But that the entire weight goal meant that this person had you know four thousand dollars at the end of the rainbow, which would pay for the new wardrobe or the right, trip right. or whatever they were craving. So that reward system was in there and kept building and building. And for them, even seeing the amount of money in the box that they had already earned mm -hmm. through their weight loss uh, was one of the things that kept that particular person on track yeah that's good I, I think that would definitely work for people is is uh putting in a reward somehow and you know do you think that's why it's it's difficult for people to create or break habits or create new habits because it's just they don't put enough reward in there uh the, the reward's important um but recognizing their cues yeah you know if if you have a cue every day and then you almost subconsciously end up halfway into the routine before, oh, I'm doing it again. <laughs> give, give us a couple more examples of cues, like the dog barking or the dog, you know, the well, alarm clock goes off. Well, Where's actually, the, the, that, that, the, you reminded me of that Pavlovian experiment. You know, the, the cue, routine, and reward that set that experiment up was the cue was the bell. Mm -hmm. uh, the routine was, we'll throw a steak in front of you. And the reward is you get to eat it. You get to eat steak, Rover. Right. So you do that enough. Uh, you do that 30, 60 days. You have grooved this bell ring. Steak comes out. Ah, reward yeah, and is I get the food. To eat yeah. it. Exactly. Where they started messing with it and proving the principles was, okay, now we're going to ring the bell. We're not going to put the meat out. <laughs> Let's see what happens. And by that point, uh, this dog is so sure the meat's going to come out after the bell rings starts drooling like crazy. Like, I can't wait. To, why is it not here already? You know? Yeah. Uh, of course, if you hear the dog talking, you probably have psychological <laughs> problems I can't help you with. But um, but no, that was the whole basis of that experiment started by grooving a habit in a dog. Wow. And, and, and humans are just similar in the same, in that same way. Yeah. We make habits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, but why do you think it's so hard to break habits? Well, uh, again, the, if that cue, that cue almost autonomically springs you into that routine. If you I think make it's that, that you're just not using that other part of your brain. You're just, you're just you're yeah, in you this program. This pathways are already cut. And so you're like, God, I just can't stop doing this. I keep putting on weight or I just keep doing, you know, whatever the habit is, you just can't break it because maybe it's, you're not aware that you can break it. And then you're not, and then you don't implement those well, you're, things. You're not dealing with the cue. Right. You know, like, let's say your cue was, Every time I drive down this street, I see a Krispy Kreme and I can't help but stop. Yeah. And that would then, be, yeah, that yeah. makes, makes and, sense. And the yeah. reward would be, God, this tastes great. Yeah. You know, and, and I get a sugar bump. So I'm actually more awake temporarily after I've eaten that. You know. So you got to realize you're driving down the wrong road. Yeah. <laughs> take, take a different. Yeah. <laughs> if you could avoid that cue, but what, you know, what or happens. Or even just is, realizing that that is the cue and that you can do something different about it. Yeah. And so if, yeah, and that's exactly right. If you, if, once you realize that's the cue and if that's the shortest way to get to work, you, all you have to do is wrestle with the cue. So what am I going to do next time I see the Krispy Kreme sign? Uh, maybe I'll do something stupid like, uh, you know, uh, sing a jingle or, uh, or turn the radio know, on. Yeah. Do, do anything that distracts me. Or maybe, uh, maybe, uh, I'll keep a jelly bean in the car and that'll be, I'll take uh, a gram of sugar rather than a hundred grams of sugar. <laughs> mm. Boom, shoom, Ooh, I, got, yeah. I got by uh, or, or anything, yeah, uh, anything that works and gets you out of that routine. Cause otherwise you'll subconsciously just pull right in. You'll be halfway through the drive through and you'll have one, one down and starting on the second one before right. it's like, what am I doing? Right, you, right. you think about it. 
um, uh, you probably had this experience, but it goes uh, kind of in the vein of autonomic things. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you're headed to a destination, let's say on the weekend, but that destination happens to be kind of beyond the same way you go to work. Mm -hmm. And it takes everything not to drive into work. To I've, turn I've had, in that, yeah. Absolutely, because I do that every day. Right. And my brain tells me. I've also seen the reverse where uh, you're, you're driving down a highway, many, many exits, heading home, uh, and you get involved in a conversation or, or whatever you're thinking about, and then, oh, this is my exit. It's almost like you snap out of it. Right. And you've been autonomically driving at 60 mm -hmm. miles an hour for 10, 15 miles. And you realize, I have no idea how I got here. Yeah. Because yeah. your brain has grooved that routine so much that all it did was warn you if it got too close to a car or if something was parked in the shoulder. Right. But uh, you spent 20 minutes in la-la land, uh, you know, before your brain said, oh, you, you have to be awake for this one because we're actually turning off the highway. Yeah. So yeah. how can we relate this to, you know, people submit loans and they get and, and sometimes they just keep doing the same thing and don't learn from it. Right. Like it's like, oh, I keep forgetting to ask for the previous job or I keep forgetting, yeah. you know, there's got to be habits that loan officers have. What, what are there any that stand out to you that you've seen? Like some uh, habits that just people don't break. Yeah, actually, uh, underwriters struggle with the same thing, especially if they're newly hired. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the ways I've attacked it in the past is someone's early days at a job, they actually need a step-by-step -step or what I call a click path. It, it needs to say, go to this screen, hit this key, enter this user ID, hit that. You know, it needs to be that You're detail. You're kind of creating a, yeah. like a, a pathway. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's a step-by-step. -step. This isn't fail-safe. And I tell people, you know, by the end of the week, this is going to be so boring. You're going to be way ahead of this because you'll know how to log in. You'll know what your user ID is. You'll have your password memorized. Mm -hmm. You won't even be looking. Then throw the step-by-step -step away and use the task list. The task list is chunks of information, like go through that login procedure, then open this application, then do this, then read the credit report, then put this data on that screen. And those are high-level tasks where there's a whole bunch of steps in that process, but now that I know all those steps, I just need to be reminded to do that routine. Mm -hmm. Then it's a stack of routines, not a stack of steps. Gotcha. Uh, and then people can uh, usually do a really competent job just marking off the routine. Mm. And you can establish that for just about anything where you go from the step-by-step, -step, you know, walk in, turn on light, open door, grab razor, Mm -hmm. uh, to, oh, just get ready for work, then go to work and do this, mm -hmm. then go to work and do that, then go home. You know, there's much bigger chunks of information that, it, that assume thousands of steps all rolled into one. Gotcha. And a lot of people function, uh, don't know it, but they're, they're chunking big, you know, they're, uh, all these tasks are wrapped into chunks that you just say, Hey, Jerry, I need you to do this chunk and I'll go do that for hours without any other direction because I know all the routines in that chunk. Hmm. And you just kind of put it on automation in a yeah. way. Just start. Just so, so there's also, I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners that would love to break into jumbo lending and they just kind of are in the habit of just, you know, what comes their way, which is maybe Govy, right. Or it's Fannie Freddie. And 
<clears throat> maybe they get a couple jumbo loans a year or something that because they just happen to you know the person makes it big or they they their their company's doing well they want to refi now it doesn't fit in fanny so they got to find a jumbo yep. um do you think people can consciously say i'm gonna figure out how and how would someone change their habits to start working on jumbo loans uh, that's a great question um i can get specifically get more yeah jumbo. it's a smart a smart thing to do uh but lead generation in general um i was i started out originating and uh one of the books that was a classic uh, sales technique book back then was um actually a really successful real estate salesman named tom hopkins and he has a book may still be in print called selling hmm. and it was the first book about sales that actually gave names to sales techniques uh, so i learned alternative choice clothes and a takeaway clothes and mm -hmm. this kind of clothes and a ben franklin clothes and <laughs> and um and I, I learned these techniques and one of the things i learned too from that book is that um there's an ideal technique for each borrower every borrower has a different personality so uh you try one that doesn't mean he's not closable it means right. you didn't use the right technique you didn't sure. it didn't resonate with him uh but one of the things i took away from that book there was a drawing in there of two semicircles and two dots and the number 20. And I'm like, oh, what the heck is that? But his theory was in any kind of sales, if your conversion rate was 5%, mm -hmm. that meant that if you wanted a deal that day, you would need to go uh, belly button to belly button with 20 people. <laughs> so in the world of loan origination, uh, I interpreted that to mean I have to have a substantive conversation with 20 referral partners every day mm -hmm. if I want to be guaranteed to have an application by the end of the night. Right. So um, back in this day, and this is pre-internet, uh, so I'm driving around to find realtors. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't consider the conversation substantive unless I'd asked them at least this question, which is, are there any loans that you're having problems with? And if I talked to them long enough and got that question out and gave them a chance to answer, I'd go back to the car, good or bad, I'd go back to the car and give myself a hash mark <laughs> and I'd get back in the car and drive and find another realtor, have that conversation hash mark. Right. Um, I'll guarantee you that I never got the highest I ever scored in a day was 13 because out by of 20 out of 20, <laughs> I could never get any higher because the time I got to anywhere near that number, I had a deal to work on. <laughs> nice. Um, so I, I think there's gotta be a parallel today um, where uh, if you've got a, stack of leads and you're calling through those leads um you need to have probably have a scoreboard mm -hmm. that says here's what my minimum performance is going to be today and if i'm as good as i think i am um that minimum performance should result in the result i'm looking for the reward and you right. can you can groove a habit uh of what's my cue uh i'm going to set aside a certain amount of time every day to call leads Oh, it's four o'clock or it's three o'clock and boom. Yep. Uh, the routine uh, is I'm going to learn sales well enough to overcome common objections. Right. Know, have this arsenal of closes, mm -hmm. know my product features well enough to be able to, Hey, this product doesn't fit, but I have another product that really does meet your situation better. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and the, the reward is uh, I'm going to, get an application out of this and mm -hmm. enough of those applications are going to pull through. I'm going to make the kind of living I want. And when you figure out what that realistic living is, you can reverse engineer it to, 
if I want to make that, that's this many closings, right? It's that many applications mm-hmm. and this many lead conversions. And you can back into that number and that's your number. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> what about people who are not like, do you think there's a level of optimism that you have to have? Because I almost think of it like, you know, when you put this thing together, this plan together, you got to believe that it can work. Yeah. Because if you start going down the path and it doesn't work, and you, uh, uh, you I've never, I'm never destined to do jumbo loans. You just or, hit it out right? of the park that the two most important things to uh, starting a habit and maintaining it are um, belief. You got to believe it, you can do it. Yep. And then willpower, that ability to stick through it and grind it. Because if you're going to do this 30 day plan to call, you know, 20 leads a day and convert yeah. one a day, you have to have the willpower to do it. And you can't be all disappointed and, and broken uh, the first time someone says, no, I'm not interested. I think, do you think that it's that <clears throat> people haven't failed enough maybe to realize that, you know, you got to fail a bunch of times to, to, to have a success. Like I think, I think there's a component of that. And, uh, and other people um, I do think take failure too seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let it crush them sometimes. Right. Um, someone's rejection of your loan proposal you can't take it personally. Yeah. There, there could be any, a number of reasons. Uh, imagine, you know, one caller is like, what you propose doesn't fit me any longer. Yeah. And you don't know why. Right. You, just, but, you might internalize and think, oh, I just, maybe I stuttered or maybe I. Exactly. But, but the real reason could be uh, that gentleman found out last night he's going to be going through a divorce. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need to buy a house or refinance one. He needs to sell one. Right. Um, and he doesn't feel like telling you. Yeah. So, yeah, For whatever and, reason, because he's, he's, you know, and he and he doesn't owe you an explanation, right? Uh, the next person could be dealing with some personal tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next person could be like, you know, uh, what you have is interesting, but my brother's a loan officer. Right. Yeah, I'm never getting your business, never uh, until until you decide you hate your brother. Then right. then I've got a shot. Right. So the, you can uh, take these rejections personally. Uh, and for no really good, no, no good reason, no justifiable reason. The best way to do it is look at, if you can do it, uh, look at it as a reward. Like I'm one closer to the 20. Yeah. You know, if I get 19 no's. It means that, you know, the odds are next call. This, right. is, this is my right. time. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit this one out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And it really becomes a numbers game where uh, if you're calling enough of the right people uh, and, and and you do have to obviously target uh, this stuff. If yeah, you fish in the right pond, yeah. If you if you're uh, if you're fishing in a hundred thousand dollar neighborhood, probably not going to get a lot of million dollar loans, right? So, you know, we're talking about programming and and people that just kind of routinely do their their day to day, right? Um, do you think that there's some people that kind of use that to their advantage in the way, like, you know, these people have not woken up; they're just doing their their routine, and then you know, I've got this secret that I've been able to awaken my, and, and, and to be able to like control and put the subconscious as a slave to my, my greater thinking or my bigger, my slower part of the brain, which is your conscience, right? Your, your, um, you know, I, I kind of sometimes think that way. Like I, I literally think, you know, that would be a great advantage if everyone, my competitors or other people just sort of stayed in this program and just, Mm-hmm. live their life and thinking about the past, thinking about the future where I could like literally tap in and go, okay, well, I'm going to change this or I'm going to do that. Yeah. Or I'm going to, 
you know, you can literally create what your world is. If you think that way, you can like, I don't like my job. I don't like my, this, I don't like my, my production. I'm going to do these things to change it. And if you believe that and, you know, do you think that, do you think there's an advantage to, or like, can you, can people awaken out of this like program that they're in? Yeah, you you can, you can, but it's, uh, it's not easy, right? Yeah, it isn't for some people. It's like, um, that part in the matrix where yeah, the red pill or the blue pill. Yeah. You're well, well, you're, you know, you're behind the wall of data and you see what the world really looks like, or you're, are you inside the the mask of, of a hunky dory or whatever it is. But, uh, no, there's definitely, um, ways to do that. And, uh, I think there's a, a bunch of, uh, uh, struggling for the right word, but there's some ethics around that, uh, or, or some interesting ethical discussions because, uh, do you owe it to your fellow man to let them know they're in a computer simulation? <laughs> like they're pro- yeah, they're in this program and they have these yeah. grooves and they don't, they can't uh, or, get out of it. Yeah. Or um, for self benefit, do you um, take advantage of the fact that they're all in the slow lane and yeah. I only have to be marginally faster to look like a track star? Right. Um, or are you so otherworldly that, you know, for me, um, uh, whether it's true in reality or not, uh, Elon Musk, feels like one of those people yeah where uh i don't think he's in a in a in a rut <laughs> you know he's he, figured it out yeah he's, he's there's there's certain people you know no they they know this yeah they know that and 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 kind of like a muscle maybe that part of their brain has been used so much more and and you think yeah. you wonder like you look at these it's certainly you know, unfettered thinking right he's not you know it's like that's never gonna work uh they're not in my lifetime it's like Actually, we're a couple of years away. Yeah, we're going to Mars, guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and so you have to salute that kind of uh, out-of-the-box thinking. And um, if he has any routines, uh, it's not obvious. Right. Yeah. Well, some of, I think some of the successful people out there have decided they're just going to wear one outfit. Like, have you heard about this? <laughs> I think it was, was it like... Uh, they have to think about what they're going to... Yeah, like, yeah. so they take that out of the equation maybe they spent too much time looking at their clothes yeah. in the closet and then decided i'm every day i'm gonna wear a turtleneck every day i'm gonna wear jeans everywhere i'm in white shoes like it was a steve jobs right yeah it was like that yeah uh, i i don't know that you're saving that much time but uh then i'm, I'm probably maybe he to... got too into whatever creative like i'm gonna wear this awesome outfit and then it just it took over uh, you know <laughs> I, I i i'm ready to dismiss it but then the story i told you earlier about you know, when I'm not thinking in the shower, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a think tank for me. Uh, another think tank for me is, um, uh, you and I have, a, a pretty mutual love of uh, making music. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that if I drive autonomically in, in a place where I'm I feel safe driving and I don't turn the radio on my music, my, there'll be music in my head. My, mm. my head will fill with music if it's not coming right. out of the radio. So if, if you challenged me to write a song uh, before the end of the week, the first thing I would do is I would Jump drive. Yeah, I drive between here and L.A. So I got two hours of just boring driving. I'd turn the radio off and I'd come back with, uh, hey, here's the tune. Here's a song. Exactly. Interesting. I've never thought of writing while driving. Like, or like writing while you're doing another routine. Because every time I was in yeah. a writing session, you'd sit with someone else. You would. You know, you would <clears throat> discuss it and verbalize and then get your music, get your guitar. But yeah. that's an interesting concept that you could like, well, people write in the shower. The people write in, you know, when they're doing other. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, I, I have 
heard about people. Uh, one of the people I really respect uh, in the comedy world is Jerry Seinfeld. And he's mm-hmm. one of those people that will tell you, I set a time uh, every day. I sit down and I write one joke a day. I don't leave until I write that one <laughs> joke. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, where we talked about these little, um, I like to call them micro goals. You know, yeah. if you thought about, uh, if you wrote one joke a day for 365 days. Well, jokes. Uh, it is. It's probably an hour's worth of material. And at least half of it at his stage, probably half of it comes out stellar yeah. right out of the box. And the other half he probably has to polish up. But he's probably the type of person at that kind of output that could put out a Netflix special every year and make another few million and not mm-hmm. even think about it. And, and I, th- I think whatever your profession is, if you spent uh, doing one item of, uh, you know, uh, of your task uh, per day, mm-hmm. by the end of the year, you're light years ahead of where you're sitting today. That's good. So uh, you write any songs lately? Uh, I have, I, 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 you know, they're the terrible songs, but they, I, but I write, I, I'm right. Uh, I write a good look every week. Do you ever get inspired by looking at a, a file about someone that's like what they did some kind of crazy job? Cause I know you like, when you look at files, some of them are like interesting jobs and you see what they do, see how they make their money. Uh, for me, ever, has uh, it ever inspired a song? Uh, it hasn't inspired a song, but, um, it inspires the, the part of my brain that loves shark tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I see, cause we, we see so many people that have made money in unique ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of the job here obviously is telling, retelling that story so that, uh, a loan investor would, they know yeah, they can pay it back. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, getting, getting a chance to go through that process of, Oh, this is how they make money. Uh, you know, this is the revenue portion. Here's the type of expenses. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that wow, look at what you can make, you know, and they, right. and they found this niche that no one else has exploited. So that's interesting. It's kind of like shark tank. It really that's is. Cool. And then, and really the loan decision then for me is, is that something I would invest my money in, you know, <laughs> cause I am kind of investing, uh, putting our mortgage money at risk. Right. Right. So it's like, I, I need, uh, you know, am I going to be Kevin O'Leary on this one and want a royalty? <laughs> or, wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Or I'm at a cube in this thing. It's like, yeah, no, you're doing great. Yeah. So, um, it's, I'm out for that reason. I'm out. <laughs> denied. Uh, File denied. Exactly. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of that where, uh, if the business model makes sense and looks sustainable, yeah. uh, why wouldn't it help you get the house of your dreams? That's cool. What advice do you have for mortgage brokers who, you know, who, who look at files and they see the, you know, one side, they see all these low hanging fruit, all these low, all these easy deals. And then they see a complex deal, you know, and, and, like, oh, this is gonna be a pain in my butt. They put it in the, you know, in the dirty drawer and they just wait. Like, do you have any advice for for yeah. someone like that? Uh the complex deals taught me more about um this business than the easy stuff I ever did. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to solve problems that no one else could solve, mm-hmm. which distinguished me. And the the mortgage business is such a commoditized business it's hard for people to think of you any differently than any other loan officer out right. there. Uh, <clears throat> but one way to distinguish yourself is if you can fix and solve the complex deals. Yep. Um, you people, Oh, uh, you'll, you'll You're get a miracle this, worker. Yeah. You'll get this aura about, uh, if he can't fix it, nobody can. Yep. And then pretty soon people will get smart enough to go, well, if he always ends up fixing him in the end, why wouldn't I have in the beginning of the process? Yep. Yep. And yep. when you're the guy that gets the loan in the beginning, life gets pretty easy. 
I like that because that's kind of what my path was too. Like I would go, it, when I was new in the business, I couldn't necessarily close people who were the low rate people. Yeah. You know, I just, just that was tough because they already had their guy, the girl, yeah, you know, absolutely. the realtors. So I would go to either, I'd go to both. I'd go to the realtor and tell them, do you have any hard, tough deals? Like you said, yeah, uh, ones that are falling out of escrow. And then I'd also go to other LOs who are only a paper LOs. And I would say, yeah, how many deals that you had to turn down? And then, yeah. I, and then I got kind of a, a known for those tougher deals. Yeah. And absolutely. then they would say, well, what else do you got? And they, then they, after we close a deal, oh, can I buy you lunch? You know, and then you go out and then you tell them you can do some other deals and you can do it. Oh, I can do all this Fannie Mae stuff. This is easy. But, you know, when you really need me, I'm right here and I've got, yeah. I can do these other stuff. So I think. I'm not surprised you had success. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think that to me was what, you know, really made me excited about this business. Cause like you said, it's commoditized. It gets really boring, you know, just doing, I mean, the paychecks are good when you're doing a refi boom and you're crushing it. And, but <clears throat> when you can see someone who's, you know, completely bummed about their, I don't know if I'm going to get the house and they're just down and then you're able to come in and sort of fix it. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, it's you're a rewarding. financial superhero. It's a reward. And then people mm. become, like kind of like Steve Jobs would say, they become like evangel evangelists about you. They, yeah. oh, you gotta call my guy. Like yeah. they're great. They they saved you know this and that and mm. and versus like oh yeah, they got me a three percent rate. You know, and then just like yeah. you know, people will brag about the interest rates. They'll like oh, I got a great rate, but you know, they won't really really sell someone on why they need to use you unless you came in and saved the day. I would agree, yeah. and I think one of the things that the most the commoditized loan officers are guilty of is oversimplifying the business. There's a lot of moving parts and closing any loan, even mm -hmm. if it's a straight Fannie Freddie, but especially in the space we're in, right. there's a lot of moving parts. And um, if you spare your borrower, the ugly details about everything you need to do to get across the finish line, mm -hmm. they're not going to appreciate what you did. It's like, Oh yeah, anyone could have done this. I'm like, no, not on your loan. <laughs> and uh, I think it's good for people to see the complexity of it and then be grateful that when you do get it successfully closed, they realize it's because you put a lot of hard work into it. You put a lot of thought into it and got it done. Right, right. And I think a lot of people are so afraid that um, the complexity is going to be lost in their borrowers or not appreciated by them. But I think it actually makes them value you more. It's like there was a, I had to sign 50 things at closing. How do you keep all this straight? Yeah. You know, so true. So, um, you know, as an originator, I've been, I've submitted loans to lots of different lenders, right? Over the 20, over 20 years. <clears throat> One of the things I pride myself on in, you know, with fund loans is that we have a Jerry Tubbs here and that uh, it's almost like a secret weapon in your arsenal. If you have someone like you, um, you know, and obviously we let brokers submit loans and they come up to you and you see a good number of our loans, whether or not they're especially the ones that get off the tracks a little bit, you know, or, yeah. you know, especially, you know, behind the scenes, the underwriters will call you, try to work through the you know issue. We try to make deals work if it's possible. If not, you know, if it's a terrible loan, we don't do them. But um, what can you, like, how, how important is it for a broker to have that kind of secret weapon of, you know, someone who really understands complex income and because there's a lot of underwriters out there. They're just, they're, they're, they're great, but they're doing VA, FHA, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And then when they see one of these crazy complex income loans, they're like, 
scratching their heads and they're like, I, I can't like I it's suspense, you know, or they or they just they they put it in the dirty in the dirty drawer and they don't work on it. And then it becomes, you know, one of those loans that never closes. But what can you tell our brokers about how they can be even more confident about those tough deals? If, if they have an underwriter like they have a, a like, you know, I don't want to make the sales pitch about fund loans, but it's true that we have this, you know, you, you have a unique ability to tell that story about yeah. a file. And, and the, the nice thing is we have a whole staff full of people like that where they'll take the time to understand it. Um, they'll ask the right questions. And our, our goal is really the same as theirs. They're trying to convince us uh, the best they can that it's a it's a safe deal to do. Uh, I've got the same convincing to do down the road. I've got to convince someone to uh, part with millions of dollars um, to get to the closing table. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the, the advice that I would give them is there are going to, especially in this space, there are going to be situations that are unusual enough to where you're not expected to know uh, at a glance, oh, I understand these tax returns. Right. Really? Because these are 100-page tax returns uh, or these bank statements or I, I don't know how his business necessarily works. Um, but it's a great learning experience. And every time you do one of these, you're going to have ammunition in your belt that's going to make you better for the next time. Mm -hmm. uh, the first time you do someone who, ha who runs a hedge fund, uh, you're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. There's 16 LLCs. and Yeah. The second time you do one, you're going to be a rock star. Right. And pretty soon you're going to be doing loans for all the hedge fund guys because they all talk. Yep. That's um, right. So if there's an opportunity to kind of make an investment in yourself, uh, if, you, if you're not self-conscious about it, mm -hmm. go in knowing I'm not going to know everything. Right. Uh, but I'm going to learn through this process. And, uh, also the reward of, uh, there's a person out here who hasn't figured it out either. My borrower, because mm -hmm. he's been in a couple other places and nobody's sent money to the table yet. Right. So, uh, it's an even better reward if I'm the guy that gets him to the finish line. Yep. And the one thing I can say about us is, uh, we'll take the time to ask the right questions, develop the right story. If you have the patience to go through that process, when the going gets tough, We'll be right in a room with you to get you to the finish line if we can. Right. And if you get there, um, your reputation is going to be double, uh, triple what it was before because you took on a difficult file and got it done, mm -hmm. not you know a Fanny Freddie that you could have done with your eyes closed. Right. right. So it's a it's a real great learning opportunity for sometimes for all of us. I, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that I. Uh, there's times where. I'm looking at stuff and like, this doesn't make sense yet. Let me ask some questions. Mm -hmm. And then you shark tank and it's like, oh, I know what the business model is now. This is sound. This makes sense. Send some money to that closing. That's good. Yeah. Let's end on hypnosis. I think as we started on it, um, tell us a little bit more about how that can help. It, it, it's not for everyone probably, but, or mm -hmm. is it? Is, 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 if someone wants to change something, can they go get hypnotized or can they... Well, uh, uh, one, one caveat is uh, I know enough about hypnosis to be dangerous. Uh, uh, I, I learned it as one of the many things I was fascinated about. Uh, learned it along the way. Uh, I did it for comedy purposes. Okay. I used to do a, a comedy hypnosis show where I'd invite some volunteers up, put them under, make them do some silly stuff for a half an hour, and everyone have fun and, and go home and, <laughs> and, and have a blast. Uh, but along the way, I had these interesting opportunities. Um, I had one... 
person that I worked with that came to see a show that I did uh, uh, in one town I was working in. And she said, oh, I'm so excited for tonight's show. I can't wait to go. But, um, and if I'm going to volunteer, and if this works for me, uh, I'm going uh, to have you help me with something else. I go, what's that something else? <laughs> Turned out she had a horrible phobia of the dentist. Uh, and it was so bad that for her, that when she, when her kids got old, she hadn't been to the dentist in 10 years. Jeez. Her kids were old enough for orthodontia. Mm-hmm. And she would get as close as the waiting room door. That's as, that's as close as she could get to that clinic. And the nurse knew on the, her day that she had to be at the door ready to whisk those kids in, get them safely into the exam chairs. Cause do you want to hear this? Mom could not be in that. And right. it, wasn't, it wasn't even drilling. This is just braces. Wow. But she could just couldn't stand the thought of being. So she'd drop them off the door, get out in a panic and sit in the car mm-hmm. and then get a call. Oh, come and get your kids. And so she intimated to me, I'm, I'm going to volunteer for the show. I'm looking forward to seeing you. But uh, if, it, if this works, if you can hypnotize her, because no one believes it can be. Sure. Um, yeah. I've, uh, I've never been hypnotized. <laughs> so uh, if, if this really works, then I'm going to come back and have you help me with this problem. And I've never, you know, I've never said, hey, I'm a hypnotherapist because I'm not. Yeah. But I said, I, and I kept that as a mental note. Well, anyway, she came to this show. She was the rock star of the show. She was hilarious. for, And she was under for all 40 minutes of the show. <laughs> she was brilliant. It was just a superstar. And we had a lot of good people that night. So it was just a funny show. It was enjoyable for me. And then, uh, and some of her coworkers were in the audience. And I said, hey, bef- before the show, she let me know she was struggling with this one issue. I won't go into details. But since she's been s- such a rock star tonight, I'm going to take two or three more minutes before I emerge her and see what I can do with this problem. She intimated. So I whispered in her ear for just a few minutes about, Hey, uh, these people in the dentist's office, they're, they're there to help you. Uh, nothing to be afraid of. Uh, everything they have is sterile. Uh, the equipment they're using is top notch. They have drugs to, so you don't feel any pain. It's a totally painless experience. There's nothing to be afraid of. Just as much as I could cram in in two minutes without the audience getting bored, emerged her sent her out and uh the next day at work uh or the uh, this was a friday night that she came to the show so monday i come in and everyone's talking about the show because this is the first time people had that hadn't gone to the show or hearing from people that did yeah blah, blah, blah. so i kind of expected that mm-hmm. and she was in the center of the tension because oh they had people had videos of her doing silly stuff and it was just <laughs> a fun time and then all that died away and we all went back to work and you know, nothing was said more about that show. It was two weeks later. I come in on a Monday again. And there's this, it's a repeat of from two weeks before. A, a herd of people around her and she's just proselytizing about something. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is weird. Because yeah. that show happened weeks ago. They, they, we right. shouldn't be talking about this. But it turned out over that weekend, she had taken her kids into the dentist, sat in the waiting room, leafing through a good housekeeping while their kids in the exam rooms, the nurses are stunned <laughs> midway. They, well, they've never seen what work we're doing. Are you okay? Are you comfortable coming back to the exam room? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Opens up. Oh yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. We're good. Oh, funny. Like it, like it never happened. Like she'd never had a phobia <sighs> before. And so she was, she realized, uh, she, when I came in the door, you would have thought I came in on palm leaves. Uh, she comes up to me, gives me the biggest hug, and she <laughs> says, you changed my life. Wow. 
uh, I'm like, how did I do that? I was able to go into the dentist's office. I wasn't afraid of anything. I would go, Wow. And she was busy telling everyone who listened. So all of a sudden now there's a queue of people. Hey, I want to quit smoking. Yeah, I want to do this. I want to get rid of, you know, it was like crazy. And I was like, I had, wow. I, if I had a shingle out that day, I would have made thousands of dollars. <laughs> awesome. uh, but I, I, like I said, I, I'm not, uh, I helped one other person. Uh, again, it was a coworker that had a horrible fear of flying. Mm-hmm. And one of my coaches uh, said that um, phobias can be uh, created in an instant. And they can be uh, deconstructed in an instant. Interesting. So his theory was, uh, and he didn't always necessarily use hypnosis. He he recommended a bunch of different tools, and, he, and he's the expert at it. But uh, in a couple of different cases, I helped people over some irrational routines that were, or r- routines that were rational that connected to irrational cues. You know, so her routine was an absolute fear connected mm-hmm. to the dentist, hmm. and it might as well have been a pickle. Yeah. Uh, didn't matter. Something probably happened when she was young or whatever. It might Some been. connection. And then it took two minutes of her in a great relaxed trance state for me to change that suggestion. Uh, and, and what it, happens in your mind when you get in that state in the trance state? Um, is that what it's called? The trance? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of theories about it. The one that I give the most credence to it really comes back to the very start of the discussion we had about uh, autonomic functions. Mm hmm. Um, again, thinking about you sitting in your chair, you're being flooded with stimulus, not only uh, my voice, but the light, the temperature in the room, uh, your posture, uh, how your clothes feel on your skin, your heartbeat, your breathing, just literally hundreds of inputs. And your brain is in a constant battle all day of deciding which inputs are important enough to remind you about, like the fire alarm in the background yep. versus the temperature in the room. Uh, you know, I can handle this temperature. It's not too hot, not too cold. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not worry about it. Right. Uh, in hypnosis, the best description I've had is that we take you through a series of relaxation exercises so that we narrow your focus even smaller from the things you are thinking about consciously down to just the sound of my voice. And if I can get it just to the sound of my voice, it's almost like uh, probably the parallel would be meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, in meditation, maybe you're purposely focusing on nothing. Right. Uh, here you're focusing on one thing, which is whatever I'm telling you to do. And if I can get you to this really narrow focus where you're really suggestible, I could say just about anything like, uh, hey, when you hear the music, you're going to be the world's greatest ballerina. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if the music cues and you start doing pirouettes, done my job <laughs> that happened uh, oh yeah that's uh, well from a <laughs> from a comedy standpoint of view in fact one of the skits i do maybe they're not really the best but they think they're the best oh they think they're the best they yeah, they're they're, right, yeah. nobody's nobody's yeah. good at it but i'll, I'll put on i ma- i mash the theme from rocky and the theme from swan lake and we do exactly that skit as when you hear this you'll be the world's greatest boxer for getting ready for a match when you hear that you'll be the world's greatest ballerina or ballet person and the you know rocky comes on and people they're, they're sparring on stage, and then as soon as the music switches, they're the hands on their head, and they're pirouetting, and you'd swear they have a tutu on. That's awesome. So, so it's safe to say you're a believer of hypnosis. Uh, in the same way I'm a believer of electricity. I don't understand entirely how it works. You can't, there's, I can't see how it works, but I have enough results that convince me that uh, it's a real thing. Yeah. 
You ever seen someone try to like hypnotize you or? I've been hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, very and relaxing. What it's, do you feel like when you're you're just relaxed? Or? Yeah, it's just like uh, I'm. Uh, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? What do I need? What do I need to do? And you can kind of do whatever they ask you to do. Is it dangerous? Is someone? In, I mean, if you obviously if you don't trust the person, like someone's doing something uh, weird. There's a, a pretty strongly held belief in hypnosis that you don't lose these critical functions that you would have, especially moral ones. So, right. in theory, if there's something that you wouldn't do. Uh, in your waking life, you probably wouldn't do it under right. hypnosis. Uh, there's some arguments about, well, could I trick you into that? But uh, yeah. you're getting into some details. But most <laughs> people, if you go to cross the line, they would snap out of it. Snap. Go, Wait a minute. Uh, I am not relaxed anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jerry's has been great. Um, anything you want to leave us with? Oh, um, I guess considering we're talking about habits, I'd say, uh, and, and considering the path you were going down earlier, I'd say uh, snap out of it. Snap out of it and get to doing jumbo loans. Yeah, exactly. Stop doing that Fanny Freddy. It'll be around later. Yeah. Do some, do some creative stuff. Just blow up your routine and do some jumbo non-QM, right? Wake up and smell the coffee. Nice. Well, uh, again, like, share, and subscribe. If you like this episode, please comment, let us know, and appreciate you watching. We'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fund loans together.